I want to talk to us this morning about, not about rebuilding the walls, but before we build the walls, there are some things we need to clear up, talk about, because our assignment of rebuilding the walls will be greatly hindered if we don't deal with some of the things we're talking about this morning. And this morning I want to talk about don't break faith. Don't break faith. There's nothing worse than trying to get your children to see what you want them to see, but they don't see what you see. And all they do is create resistance. Is that not true? And then that word, that God-given English word that winds the stuffing out of every one of us gets repeated over and over again, irrespective of how many times you tell them and explain to them. And that's that word, why? But why, mum? Why that? I've just told you. But why? Why, 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 Delilah? And they keep asking us and we keep explaining till eventually the rod, the rod has to come in. If you don't do it, you get a slap. Or you get grounded. Or, right, privileges are taken away. So now we have to use stronger language to coerce them into doing what they need to do. And hopefully, as they begin to do it, they begin to understand and see. But they never had the faith to join with you at the beginning. So all you had was to keep them was your authority. Yes? And now we all know that authority, when you're raising a teenager or you're raising a family, authority only lasts for a very short period of time. Kids are growing up so much faster and think they're adults before they're actually adult, adults. So the greatest authority you can ever have as a parent is influence. Your power, your rules will not keep your kids for long. Your influence on your children is the best way to raise. See, some of us have had our children and now they're up and they're up and out off and we've lost influence. You try and ground them now. Try and take the privileges away now. They ain't bothered. They ain't bothered. But if you can influence your children, you've always got a voice into their heart. And at the right time, They'll speak to you, they'll come and talk to you, and you can keep on just suggesting, you can teach, you can just influence them at different ways. Don't lose the influence over your children's life. That is the way we continually raise our children. And as a parent, how many of you know, we never stop raising our children. Even though our kids can be married and have kids of their own, we still do the parental thing. It's instinct, it's innate within us to do it. We know they've got a family. We know they have children. But it doesn't stop us chipping in. Yeah? Now, when I say chipping in, I don't mean ruling them. Chipping in. Encouraging them. You're doing great. You're really doing great. I like the way you, you, know, you handle your children. It's really good the way you, you do it. Uh, I want to celebrate that. It's really good. You've learned well from me and mum. I like to think that. I'm not taking all the glory, but I want some of it. I've worked hard. But the greatest test of your influence is when they come back and say, thanks, Dad. Thanks, Mom. You did a great job with us. 
And that's where honor comes full circle and then they rise and bless you. That's the Proverbs 31. Uh, people will call her blessed. That's a beautiful picture of how she sowed and it came back to her and her children will call her blessed. That's how we raise. So we've got to be careful that when we start a journey, we all start together and we're not, we don't break faith at the beginning. We don't break faith at all. But you cannot take people on a journey if, well, I'm not quite sure. I'll make my mind up at some point. No, when God speaks to a house, he speaks to the house. And this is what some of us maybe perhaps don't always understand. We always see ourselves as individuals rather than part of a family. So when he's speaking to the church, he's not speaking to me. But if, I was, but if God's blessing what I'm saying, you automatically think you're a part of it. And this, this uh, ability to connect and disattach when it suits is not good. It'll only bring confusion to our lives if we can attach and disattach at any one time, then you're never connected. I can't disattach from Carol. I'm connected. Whichever way I look at it, I may have a row, I may, I may go out the house, I may walk, I might go and get some man time. Get myself in order, but I can never disattach myself from her. Why? Because the covenant's been made. I can't break covenant with Carol. I can break silence. I can create silence and I can break it, but I cannot disattach myself from Carol. Amen? So you can't break faith because of the size of your rubble. Don't break faith because of the size of your internal rubble or your immediate rubble. In other words, rubble, I'm using that in the context of problems, circumstances, issues. I can't do this because. Well, what happens if? I did this last time and those things will always be the reason to break faith. They'll always break faith. I can't, I can't get married to this man or to this woman because the last girlfriend he had, she, was, she did X, Y, Z. Or I can't marry because me dad ran out on me mum and therefore the picture in my life is unstable. At some point, you have to take a new decision and a new journey to trust God. Not every woman is the same. Not every man's the same. We all know that, don't we? Yeah, and how many times we hear, all men are the same. No, they're not. I'm not the same as that rat bag that left. I'm not the same as the man who caused you damaged. So we're not all the same. We may all have, we may be males, may look the same, but we're not. Amen? There's good, bad, and ugly on this earth. Yeah? And sometimes we just got to know the difference. Don't write everybody off and don't trust everybody neither. Got to be checks and balances in there. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, there's always a problem when we hear the word, meanwhile, the people in Drawsden said. So when they're saying that, they're responding to what's already gone on. So it's now their conclusion, their opinion, their comment of what previously has been said. And this is what they said. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. 
they saw their circumstance, and their circumstance was problems. Rubble. Rubble was in front of them, and the strength of the people was beginning to wander, wane and wander, to the point where they made a conclusion that we can't do this, it's too much. So we say, let's fight for the family. We can't do that. You've not seen the size of the rubble in my family. You've not seen the instability and the historical instability in my family. Don't need to. Don't really need to. I've got my own rubble in my own family. And how do you remove rubble? You remove rubble like you eat an elephant. One bite at a time, one brick at a time. Right? You build a wall one brick at a time. You dismantle a wall one brick at a time. Yeah? Or you get a bulldozer. You smack the stuff. (laughs) But the issue is this, is the size of your rubble should not determine the size of your faith. The faith should determine the size of your rubble. In other words, if I've got great faith, this is no problem. This wall, doesn't matter how big it is, this is no problem. But if I've only got a small amount of faith, the wall always seems bigger than my faith. The rubble always seems bigger than my faith. Some, at some point in your Christian life, you must begin to operate by faith, not by sight. The moment you take the fight, the Christian walk into your senses, you're finished. Faith has to go beyond your, your natural senses. Hello? Faith has to go beyond natural senses. So if I touch it, I know it's there. No, that's not faith. Well, if I see it, therefore, it must, I know it's there now, so I have faith for it. No, 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 that's not faith. You're only, you're only got, you've got assurances in what you can see, touch, smell, hear. That's not faith. If I could take your smell away, your sight away, your touch away, yeah, taste away, and you're hearing, so you're completely numb, have you got faith? Why, you've got nothing else to rely on then. You've got nothing to rely on when you can't, you know, my mother-in-law can't smell. She's lost the ability to smell. So she's not worried when she's in the, in the kitchen she has to rely on smoke to, re- to tell her whether something's burning. Now, you get the guy in the room who can't taste, who's lost his taste, and the woman in the room with no smell, perfect combination when it comes to cooking. Right? To them, it's just food. They can't taste it, but to the other one, they couldn't smell it burning. So it's a perfect combination. But the issue is, is, You have to eat, but you don't think about eating. You just eat because you're hungry. You don't taste the food. In faith, it's not about what I can see, touch, smell, hear, or what. It's about what's been said. I've got to go beyond the flesh. Can you see this? So if God says a word this morning, how many times do you say, I can't see that? Your own mouth has just nullified what God's just said. How many times do we say something? Ah, I see what you're saying. I can't see what you're saying. I don't care if you can see it or you can't see it. That's not faith. Faith is when you just take God at his word. And we've got to develop this kind of walk because you said it, Lord. We'll do it. So then he said this. There is much rubble that we can't rebuild a wall. Also, our enemies said. So now our enemies have an opinion about our faith. 
Before they know it or see us, we will fight there, right there among them, and they'll kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over. Don't you just need friends like that? Hey? Don't you just need friends who's going to come and tell you ten times over, it's getting bad. It's worse. If you start this, they'll come and they'll do this and they'll do that. It's not possible. Oh, I had a friend who did that. Oh, it, was, it landed in, in disaster. Cheers. Shut up. I don't need that kind of friend. I'm just telling you. Shh. Don't tell me. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told them ten times over. Whenever you turn, they'll attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest parts of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. And after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Remember the Lord who is great. Big picture. One. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to each to, to the wall, each to his own work. Now here's the issue. Look at the person at the side of you and repeat this to me. Repeat this to them, I should say. <laughs> Not to me. Your God-given calling... Your work, work. and assignment assignment. can cause you to break faith with God. Just as much as as it can create faith in you. Your God-given work, task, and assignment can can just be the reason to cause you to break faith with God just as much as it can be the very thing that creates faith. In God. Hello? Most of us break faith with God on the journey. Those who don't know Christ have no faith to break. But once we start the journey through salvation, we then break faith on the journey. Hello? So, we break faith because God says to Scott, I want you to do this, this, this and this. Oh, flipping heck, I can't do that. He's got no confidence, no courage, no boldness. So he can take a step back. And how many of you know he can still be involved, but he's disconnected? So easy to be involved in church, yet disconnected from the work. He can be involved in church, but disconnected from the work. Some of us don't understand that. Coming to church is just service. But to be involved in the work means you carry it. You're responsible. You partner with it. That takes a partner, not just an attender. So you can come to church because billions of people do it, but they are disconnected from the work. So they break faith because the challenges of the work seems too much for them. The challenge and the commitment required for the work... It's too great for them because they've always got work other than their work. 
People have always got something else that needs to be done, which is far more important. So they come to the church and they, can t- and they tell themselves they are connected and committed when all they do is use the church on a Sunday for a service. But because their lives are so entangled in other things, you're not free. You're not free. So we break faith with God at that point. Now somebody else has ownership of our life, and normally it's called money. Responsibilities. But the God who called you also knows you have those things. And yet he still calls you. When God called me into the ministry, I was going from 25 grand, that was 17 years ago, it's a lot of money, down to 10. 10 grand when I came on here, and the father-in-law says, what about my kids? They're not your kids, they're my kids. And he says, can you afford to keep these kids? And I said to him, Jack, the God who called me will, will be the God who keeps me. And I was more scared of not obeying God than I was obeying him. The money was not the issue. And this man will tell you, money's never been an issue. But in times gone by, the attitude of the people in the church, not, I'm not talking about this church now, I'm talking about the, the global church, was the man who comes into the ministry has got to live by faith. Well, what are you supposed to live by? Ah, but I can go and do another job, and I can earn as much money as I can, and come in and as, uh, in and out whenever I want, and earn as much money, but you've got to be poor so you'll have faith. Where did that stupidity come from? So what do you think? You know, right now in the Assemblies of God, this is a truth. In the Assemblies of God, they cannot get young men to come and take over a small pioneering work. You know why? said there's no money in it. We can't survive. So the future of ministry is now wrapped around how much I need to live. Where is the faith to trust the same God to supply? Now we all say yes. Yes to him. Yes to his salary. Yes to him, Lord. Oh, God, you can supply. Well, why can't we all live by the same rule? I don't know if you know, but the same gas that comes in your house is the same gas that comes in mine. The same, well, not necessarily the same food, but the same water, the same electric, the same gas, the same kids all eat all your resources up, don't they? Kids great at eating your resources. They're like ants. They just eat, eat your resources away. Not this one, he's all right. <laughs> We've trained him now. But kids will eat your resources away. So, here we see the strength of the laborers is giving way. They're at a breaking point and ready to break faith. We can't, it's almost like a starship enterprise. And Scotty stood there. And they're saying, come on. Nehemiah saying, he's doing the captain on the bridge. We're ready to go to warp four. She can you do it, captain. She will not make it. We haven't got enough dilithium crystals in the people to make the journey to go to warp drive. Scotty, I don't care. Just give me. She can you, captain. And God's saying to us, Build a wall. But oh, no, 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 no. Scotty breaks out. 
She can he do it? We can he do it? Why? There's not enough dilithium in the people. Dilithium faith in the people to go to warp drive. But guess what? When the captain speaks, you just obey. You find a way. And you manufacture faith en route. Yes, manufacture faith. You build it. You develop. You work on faith. How many of you know that? So the strength of the laborers is noted. It's noted. It's noted. The strength of the laborers is giving way. Is, not has. Has, it's gone. Is can be, can be strengthened. So, for some of us, there is an is, and for others, there is a has. So you can work which one you are, but the point is, the work of the wall must still go on. It must. Why? Because God has spoken. Now, I have to find, I have to go into the king's resource cupboard and find out what's needed to strengthen you. Nehemiah needed timber. He needed letters for, to do the work. I've got to go into the king's resource and say, Lord, what does he, what does she, what do they need? So we can strengthen those whose strength is giving way. Those whose strength has given way, we can encourage you, but you also have to make a different choice. And worship was echoing that this morning. Yeah? There is rubble. And if you give way because of rubble, if you break faith because of the rubble, just imagine how much rubble will end up if you break faith. There'll be a lot of rubble in your life if you, can, if you break faith. Rubble causes people to lose faith and break faith. Nehemiah, knowing that the strength of the people's faith was giving way, exposes. Now, here's the strange thing. Get this one. If I know Scott's faith or Phil's faith is weak, are you ready for this? Why would I expose them at the most vulnerable part of the wall. Hello? Think about this. This is important for you to think about this. He's now taking people whose strength is giving way and he's now putting them at the wall, a part of the wall that is most exposed and the most vulnerable and susceptible to defeat. Only a fool would do that, you think. The reason why God tells you to build a family, right, with the strength they have and put them there and expose them. Now, you're all being exposed in this work. Hello? Because when God chooses the assignment, he didn't wait for us to all pass the exam. Hello? So he chooses the strong, the weak, the dysfunctional, and he brings us all to the wall so together we can build what we need. We cannot wait for everyone to pass the exam, metaphorically speaking. Right? We cannot wait until we're all, educated, all education, educated enough. We're, we've all got our strong faith. We've all been to Bible college. Da-da-da, da-da-da, dot whatever you want. God doesn't wait. God uses you just as you are. 
And he calls you to the work now, as you are. Strength, weakness, rubble, dysfunction. He calls you now, as you are. The God who called you will keep you. So we have to go in faith to start, and I feel exposed. Well, you know, if I asked some of you to stand up here with a microphone, you would feel exposed. True? But sat in your chair, you're in your comfort zone, and no one knows what's going on in your world. But the moment you ask someone to do something, then all of a sudden you become exposed. Faith, the work of God, will always expose what is in you and what is not in you. But that's why God calls you. So God can work with the things that are not there. And put them in there. And the things that are there that are wrong, it can change. Amen? So God is looking for your ability just to submit to him and say, bring me to the wall. Bring me to the wall, Lord. Help me to deal with what I need to deal with. Listen, you will never build faith coming to church on your own. You'll never build faith just sat inside church. You'll be inspired. You'll be encouraged. You'll be illuminated. But church can never compensate for how you walk with God. It can never. It can never do that. Try taking your kids to school once a week and see how your kids grow. Hello? There's a penny drop now. You can't take your kids to school once a week and expect a kid to come out of school at the end of its life smart. It doesn't work like that. You have to keep your kids in school you know, regularly being taught. So you build people by giving them a work. Yes? What do we say to our young people? Go and get a job. Go and find out what the world's really like. And we expect the world to teach the kids in the job. Do we not? And get around men, son. Get around men. Go and get a job with some young men. And they'll teach you how to be a, young, they'll teach you how to be a man. Well, you know when you're on a building site or you're t- an apprenticeship, you're going to learn some things from some men, good, bad, and ugly. I mean, I was lucky. I had some great guys who taught me some great things. I also had some wrong guys who taught me some wrong things. But you need to build faith. And the best way to, de- to develop manhood is by giving them work. Then you can come alongside them and inspire them, teach them, educate them. That goes for women as well. You come alongside. There are some things can never be developed in the home. They have to be developed outside the home. Home is good for X, Y, Z. But then there are other things that have to be developed outside in other people's company. Yes? One of the focus of the people was set. Um, once the purpose and the focus had been set inside the people. So here we are. Phil's at his moment. His legs are shaking. He's doing his shaking Stevens. This old house. It's all over the place. And I come along and I begin to strengthen him. You've seen this? I begin to strengthen him. I begin to speak faith into him. I get alongside him. I help him. 
So what I do is I calm him down first. I reset the purpose. I reset his focus. Then what happened then? Read what it says. Then he returned back to his work. What is the purpose of us encouraging, strengthening, laboring, if when we've done that, you won't return back to your work? Come on, see this church, please. He did that deliberately once he heard the strength of the people was giving way and, and, and the size of the rubble and he knew the enemies were, were goading him. He comes and strengthens him. He tells him to stand strong for God. And then once he'd refocused them, they all return back to the work. So momentary wobbles, momentary wobbles are understandable. God has more than compensated for your wobbles. Hello? So wobbles are okay. The hippie hippie shakes is okay. But there has to be a time when somebody can come and calm down or put to rest the fears, the unrest in your life so that you can return back to the assignment of rebuilding the wall. Some of us have been in a state of unrest for too long. And despite the encouragement, despite the teachings you've received over the years, you still have not yet returned to the work. Because you've never discovered the work. Now, may I suggest to you that if we don't find a work, we have no platform to build faith. Because we've already said, you won't build faith just by coming to church. So what is the work? Right now, we're painting the picture of the work. is to stand together as a church, coming together, and we're going to strategize how we are going to rebuild the family in this church. That's your family, my family. So all our families are going to be strong. That's going to take a considerable amount of work. There's a lot of rubble in our families. To see, my, to see your father or your, or your husband or your wife or your children or your immediate aunties and uncles, your friends, your children work through, uh, come to success through college. To see your young son, your young daughter who was courting or whatever it is, rise to become a good man, good woman, takes effort. You can't just expect it'll just work out. Life is not que sera, sera. It doesn't work like that. So... You have to go and strengthen the people so that they can return back to work. So there is a responsibility on the leadership to go and strengthen the people. And there's a responsibility on the people to return back. Hello? Now, if you may never discovered the work, join the crowd. They'll lead you to the work. They'll find, they'll find, you know, they'll help you find the work. So... If you have no need to build faith, all you'll ever do is take notes, listen to messages and go home. That's not Christianity. I didn't, Christ didn't die for that and I, don't, I, I didn't sign up for that. I don't know if you did, but I know I certainly didn't. There is something inside my heart, and many of you know now, you've, you've listened to me for many years, there's something in my life that tells, so there's something part of my DNA that has to tell you like it is. 
People keep saying, well, you need to find a different way. I can't find another way. I just need to tell you as it is. <laughs> it's near eight, eight. And I've got to find ways of telling you like it is, but I've got to keep on telling you like it really is because I don't think there's enough people telling you like it really is. Not in church anyway. But you have to find tones. Touches. Inspiration. To help. But you still, we're going to come down to brass tacks. There's only one way to build. Get hold of materials and build. Now there's nothing worse for a builder to try to build... And his timber is no use. Or his plaster. I did some plastering at home. And I made the fatal mistake of buying the plaster, using a bit, thought I'd sealed the bag, but I hadn't. So when I come to use it for the next job, ugh, anybody who knows plaster knows it goes lumpy. And it just, it was a mess. So I had to undo all the hard work. And go and get. And the, less, the model of the story is, when you finish with your plaster, throw it away. You can't use it on the next job unless it's the day, ne- the day after or a couple of days. It's like bread. It goes off dead quick. And much, much frustration was in the house. Much rubble was in the house. And the only solution was, go and get materials. Go and buy materials. So I had to buy the materials again. But this time, and when you get the right materials, it's so easy. Or easier. Easier. Can you, are you getting the metaphor here? We need materials. The church needs materials. My pastoral role and the elders' pastoral role is to shepherd you to the point of encouragement so that we, through encouragement, people rise. Through our shepherding role, provide leadership. Through, because through leadership, people follow. Yes? And through wisdom, people are able to do. Or people are able to execute what you're asking them to do. So we need encouragement, we need leadership, and we need wisdom in knowing how to build these families. Because... Ministry is only one aspect, but it's the, it's the getting down and having conversations with us individually. How's things going? How are you working? Are you praying this through? No. Are you, have you tried it this way? It's the, the dialogue that helps us and changes an awful lot. Because ministry, right now, this is monologue. But when I sit down and talk with you, or you talk with me, or you talk with one another, we get the dialogue going, and it's in the dialogue that we're able to really change things and put our hands on things. But in the monologue right now, you're taking notes, you're listening, hopefully being inspired and encouraged, but in the dialogue is when we really get to, to see how it works. Amen? And there must be monologue and dialogue going on in the church every, all the time. Amen? So, the, the reality of people's faith, or the reality of people's strength giving way, will potentially, if not dealt with, will create people to break faith. Well, the last thing God wants is for people to break faith with God. It is. It's the last thing. Deuteronomy, if you go there to 32, verse 49. 
look at two guys. Look at the consequences, the greatness of these two guys, and yet the consequences of them breaking faith. I said to you, the calling of God, the work of God, the assignment of God, has the same potential to cause you to break faith as it does to create faith. Why? Because the calling of God creates stress. It will create stress. But that's where faith has to rise up so it nullifies stress. Too many Christians are dealing with stress because there's an absence of faith. Now, listen, get me wrong. I know that's a statement. And on both sides, there's, there's a good dialogue People are, you know, you can be in a stressful environment and faith, just your Christian faith, in that environment, you believing in God isn't going to change. You might need to make some action. Okay? So faith with your responsibility, your action, do what you can do, is what I'm saying there. Faith will change, but you need to get older faith and apply it. Yes? So stress is, is real. Faith is real. But there's more Christians off with stress than there is off with faith. Do you know that? So, the reality of people's strength giving way will cause them to break faith with God. So, Deuteronomy 32, 49, it says, So, go up into the Abarim range to Mount Nebo. He's talking to Moses here in Moab, across the Jericho, and view Canaan. The land I'm giving the Israelites as their possession. There on the mountain that you have climbed, you will die. Great encouragement this is, isn't it? And be gathered to your people, just as your brother Aaron died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his people. Just stop there for a second. So Moses is told, go up the mountain, go into the, what range was it, sorry? The, the Nebo range in Moab, across the Jericho, and view Canaan. I want you to have a look at what you've been laboring for. Okay? Because I'm going to give the land of Israel this possession, this inheritance. And there on that mountain you've climbed. By the way, when you get to the top, you're going to die. Great. This is God telling Moses the end is here, and now the end is here. And so I faced my final climb. There you're going to die. There you get, your body's going to go with your fathers, just as your brother did, Aaron. So Aaron's gone. He's deep six. He's gone. Now it's Moses' turn. This is what he said. Key verse, 51. This is because both of you broke faith with me in the presence of the Israelites at the waters of Mirabah, Kadesh, in the desert of Zin, and because you did not uphold my holiness among the Israelites. Oy. So, Moses, this great man, the meekest man in all the world, at some point, broke faith. The calling of God. How many times did we see when Moses, through the calling of God, him get stressed? His father-in-law had to come with a management tactic of how it's possible to disperse the duties, but Moses do such and such a thing. And to this day, to this day, companies all around the world use Moses as the pattern for management. It's the wrong pattern. Uh, yes, it's the wrong pattern. 
Why? Because even Moses himself discovered, God says, go and get Joshua, go and get 70 men, and I'm going to put my spirit on them. And they will do. So now we see the principle of transference, not management. Now we've gone from a physical, mechanical principle to a spiritual impartation principle. Hello? See, I can say, someone put the chairs out, someone turn the light on, someone clean the wall, someone do this, do me that, that. That's management. But the church doesn't advance. We don't create legacy by having good chairs, clean floors. We have a clean church. We don't have legacy by someone taking care of the cafe. We have a good cafe. Legacy is carried in the lives of people which takes and requires a spiritual transference. Moses understood finally that it's a spiritual dynamic that transforms people, not a mechanic management principle. Management's good, but I like impartations better. So he understood, and now he's being charged for breaking faith and not upholding holiness. That's a serious accusation, don't you think? The poor guy's labored. How many mountains did he climb? He's climbed mountains. He's like, God, can you not come down the mountain and just meet with me? Why do you have to keep getting me up there? Climbing the mountains, and now he's told this. But God chose these two guys. Despite their weaknesses, despite their strengths, God chose them for the task. And they gave what they could. And they did what they did. And our Bible writes up a lot of good things about Moses. Okay? So the boy didn't fail. But what he did do, it shows you what he did. What he didn't do and what he did do. Which is important. And on that final day, your records will show you what you should have done and what you did. So Moses is no different from you and I. God's just letting you know that it's possible to break faith. Hello? How many of you know challenging a dictator is a sizable task? Challenging someone like Pharaoh is a sizable task. How many of you know that if God told you tomorrow to go to 10 Downing Street and challenge Theresa May... How many of your knees would be knocking? How many of you would lose pounds in weight? How many would turn around? How many of you would turn around and say, God, I can't do it? Come on. Of course you would. Of course you would. And you say, Tony, you can go for us. Do you not think my knees would be knocking as well? Of course it would. I would just say, Teresa, the church sent me. But here he's being challenged. Now, we've just seen this weekend some remarkable happenings on planet Earth. We have just seen some remarkable, remarkable. God is shaking the world. God's in charge. There's a lot of rubble right now in governments and uh, nations of the world. There's a lot of rubble, but God is not faced. God still knows what he's doing. God doesn't have to check his plan. 
God's firm in his plan. He knows what he's doing. Unfortunately, the church still hasn't worked out what's happening. So people are panicking, fearing. We saw the price of democracy yesterday with Turkey. We saw what happens uh, when democracy is threatened and how people respond and want to take democracy back. Yes? When people will go on the streets and beat soldiers up and bring soldiers to justice, people power won. Amazing. Then we see the other dictators, the ISIS. The ISIS boys who go into Nice and just create devastation right through the nation. And guess what? It won't stop. Why? Because behind it, there's an evil force that wants to make its point. How many of you know that? You know that. But the, the world has never been sure of a dictator. How many of you remember Pol Pot and his communist regime of the Khmer Rouge in 1975 to 1979? 1.5 million Cambodians were killed through starvation, execution, disease, and from them being overworked, just like Pharaoh did. Hello? All this was done in order to socially re-engineer his, his nation. What about Nikolai Ceausescu? Romania? Communist president ordered security forces to open fire on anti-government protesters. On his own people. Dictatorship. And then the, mad, the sad man. Saddam Hussein. Our history is littered with dictators. He creates his own security forces so he's got the power. He kills over 250. That's a, a conservative um, measure. He kills over 250,000 Kurds. They're the ones they can count. And every nation, at some point in its history, has had a dictator. That's why the French Bastille, the, the People Revolution, rose up. A dictatorship. And all of a sudden now, the nations, the people want freedom, but people don't know how to live with freedom. And it's amazing... The people's faith gets strong when they have a cause. Those Turkish people united. The president gets on, go to the streets. Now, you could have turned around and said, but they've got tanks. They've got guns. All I've got is my Turkish flag. But what did they do? They went onto the streets. They did something. Something galvanized them. They built their wall. They came to their wall. Their wall was democracy. We are not letting democracy go. Now, democracy, I think it's only been around 40 years in Turkey. It's very young in terms of, in terms of its democratic nation. But here we are. Something galvanizes the people to run to their wall. The families were exposed. You've got guns. You've got tanks. I've got a Turkish flag. But yet, something galvanized them. You know, I like what... Uh, let me just find a quote here for you. Is it gone now? Oh, well. oh here it is. Francis Della Rochefort, 
said this, there are heroes in evil just as there are heroes in good. That's, that's true. Evil has its heroes. People learn from these kind of people. Adolf Hitler learned from guess who? You don't know? Who's the guy? His name's just got on my head now. <laughs> no. Fox. Catholic. Martin Luther, thank you. He learned from Martin Luther. Martin Luther got frustrated because the Jews would not respond to his message. And then Hitler used him as the template for destroying the Jews. Because Luther attacked the Jews. Remember when I talked to you about that? So we, use, we can use evil to create a different kind of faith. It's not faith, but you know what I mean? I'm using it in that context. It can galvanize, but evil can galvanize people. Just as faith can galvanize people. Satan has no problem with recruitment. But Jesus has a problem. Why? Pray ye to the Lord of the harvest for workers, because we ain't got enough. Satan goes, I've got all I need. Recruitment is the issue in the kingdom. There isn't one of us in this room who has not broke faith with God. So we can identify with Moses. We can identify with others. There isn't one of us in this room at some point or other who has not broke, who's not, not guilty of breaking faith and... There's not one of us in this room at some point who's maybe not upheld the laws of holiness. So we stand as a guilty people. But we also stand as a redeemed people. So we can understand that it's possible to let God down. We can understand it's possible to let the work go. It's possible to let faith be drifted because of internal dysfunction, opinions, beliefs, circumstances, I call all that rubble. As you start picking through the rubble, you find all different things. Everyone has got his mountain. It's always your perception. It's always your belief system. It's always the lust of the flesh that will cause you to want to break faith with God. I guarantee it. But you know, God's waiting for the glory that's inside of you to be revealed. All creation's waiting for the glory. So we have to be very careful. Do you know, Moses lived with internal issues, just like you do and I do. One of Moses' internal issues, you know what it was? It was anger. The boy had a problem with anger. Think about it. Every time Moses got in a stressful situation, he kills an Egyptian. He breaks the tablets and he strikes a rock. The boy had anger issues. Right? Now, the issue is this. God still chose him knowing he had those flaws. And yet, 
He still put him at the most exposed part of the wall. Go to Pharaoh. Pharaoh was his exposure because Pharaoh would expose, the whole journey of the Exodus would reveal everything that's flawed about Moses, just like it will reveal everything that's flawed about you. Moses was no different than you and I, and yet God still chose him and put him at the most exposed part. So quit moaning that you feel exposed. Quit moaning that the task is too difficult because it's at the exposed part. You're meant to be exposed. Hello? You're meant to be out your depth. If it's comfortable, it's not. doesn't need faith. You need to be out your depth. You need to be up to it. Oh, I'm not signing up for that. You need to be. Why? Because faith won't develop in you. Well, I just know, I just, no, I just want my faith to just to know that when we turn, I, the only faith I need is that someone will open the door on a Sunday and the heating will be on. No, we need to be up to it, boots and all. Do you realize we're talking faith here? Do you realize we're talking scary? We're talking risk. We're talking guts and all. Exposed. At the wall. Vulnerable. Anybody feel like that? Yeah. Right. That's called, and there's no wonder the strength of the people was giving way. Right? It's okay. It's okay. You're in the right place. I love that line in Saving Private Ryan. It's the whole line in the movie. Whenever I go to the cinema, I always look for a line in the movie. And Saving Private Ryan, the beach is a mess. Blood, blood everywhere. Bodies everywhere. Allies just invading. The Germans are on the hill. Just machine gunning them down. And Tom Cruise is on the beach. And this other guy's at the beach. And they can't see anything. Just see cries. It's a total mess. And this soldier says to Tom Cruise, where are we? And Tom Cruise says this, I don't know, soldier, but I know we're in the right place. What a scene. When I heard that, I went, that's the line. Worth the entrance fee. That's the line right there. I don't know, soldier. But I know we're in the right place. It's like, you can look at him thinking, are you kidding? We're never going to get off this beach. Yeah, we are, son. We are. And when we get up there, you're in for the right good kicking. Shout at your enemies. Shout at the enemy. When I get off this, when I get out of this slumber, when I get out of this, you're in for a right good kicking. Imagine, create, it's time to create terror on, the ter- on terror. You're in for a right good slapping when I get up. <laughs> so, last scripture, we're out of here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I know this is going to identify with everyone in this room, but God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the foolish, okay, He didn't choose the wise to teach the foolish. He chose the foolish. Right. Why are we foolish? Because faith says, I'll be God's fool. He chose the wise, right? God chose the weak. Have we got any weak people here? To shame the strong. He didn't choose the strong to help the weak. He chose the weak to help the strong. 
This is God's reverse order. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things of the world that are not to nullify the things that are. God's choosing the vulnerable. God's choosing the exposed people to do something quite extraordinary. You know, to do extraordinary things, you need extraordinary people. Ordinary people don't do extraordinary things. People who get all the faith and belief do ordinary th- do extraordinary things. So that no one may boast before him. It is because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us the wisdom of God. Thank God for that. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. In other words, the holiness that we compromise is our holiness. Whatever the righteousness that we compromise, we break from, he's got it. So, like Peter, Peter broke faith. Yeah, Peter felt exposed. Did he not? I'll do anything for you, God. He was in church. They were singing the songs he liked. And in the midst of his great song, he makes his declaration, I'll go anywhere for you. I'll do anything tonight. You'll deny me three times. Never, 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 never. And God says to him, Peter, I'm just about to expose you. I'm going to put you at the most vulnerable part. I'm going to let what's inside you come out. Why? Because, Peter, once you're exposed, I can rebuild you. I can put something back in you, Peter. But right now, there's a moment of exposure where we're going to see some things. But Peter, and Peter's all, you know, trying to get it all together, say all these kind of things. And God's just laughing his head off and saying, Peter, you and I are going to have our moment. And then fast forward the story, Peter's denied Christ, all that kind of stuff. And then he's on the beach. Jesus is cooking breakfast, fish. Peter's there, sees Jesus. His heart's full of condemnation, guilt. Why? I'll let this guy down. This guy could never reinstate me. I broke faith. I compromised. I did it to the Son of God. Jesus says to him, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Well, you you know, Lord, you know. You know I love you. Peter didn't, Jesus didn't ask Peter three times because he forgot what he said. He was waiting for people to come to, he was waiting for Peter to come back to faith. He was waiting for Peter to see that the love of God transcends all failures. He was waiting for that. Some of you have been waiting for that. God's been asking you time and time again. It's time for you to see it through faith. That it's time to trans. That when God asks you that question, do you love me? Then feed my sheep or build the walls. Do whatever I'm asking. It's time for you to rise up on that word and get back to the wall. Because all your brothers and sisters feel just as vulnerable as you. And the only difference is, is that you and your vulnerability do nothing, but those in their vulnerability stand. You know, sometimes... Have you ever been in a battle when all you've had is your husband or your wife? Nobody else, everyone's against you. I remember the times when I've been in a battle and all I've had is Phil. Because I didn't even burden Carol with the issues. And all, he, all he's had was me. And we've gone through it together as long as you've got someone. But the issue is, is will you rise on a word? 
Despite the size of the rubble, will you rise on a word? Peter, do you love me? Was the question. Not, Peter, will you serve me? Peter, do you love me? Well, Lord, he was asking what would got, he was asking Peter what had got lost. You broke faith with me. You, have you lost your love for me, Peter? Does it still reside within you? Why? Because if you've still got the love for me, we can bring that out and, and that goes beyond any condemnation. Because the one, if you've got a love for you, I, my, my love for you is, 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 is unquestionable, Jesus was saying. But Peter, do you still love me? Because I can work with that, son. I can work with that. Through all your rubble, Peter, do you still have a love for me? Yes, Lord. But Peter, couldn't th- Peter thought because his rubble was so high, he couldn't make it back. And Jesus says to him, son, I can see the rubble, but I'm making a way through the rubble. Do you love me? You know I love you. Now, son, now. Come and take your place. Instant, reinstated. And that's what it'll take for you and I to get back at this wall and build faith. Because staying where you are, you will never build faith. You will just, all you will do is build and reinforce your own pride, prejudice, and your own beliefs. And your own opinions of your beliefs. That's all you'll do. But to get to the wall, you have to be exposed. It was a strategy of Nehemiah to put them at the most exposed places. It's the strategy of God to put you at the most uh, exposed place. It's the strategy of God. It's the strategy of God. So the question, do you love God? Well, Three times I've got to ask you. Do you love God? Yes. Do you love God? Yes. Stand to your feet. No, we're reaffirming our faith. We're reaffirming our love. So let's have no more talk about I don't have enough faith. We're all in the same boat. There ain't one of us who haven't got what the others got. We've all struggling with measures of faith. We've all. Don't think because you haven't got it, we've all got it. We're all in the same boat. So the word of the Lord is to bring us to the wall. God knows something about this wall that you and I don't know. God knows what this wall will do for us. Right? So every man, woman and child has to come to this wall and do what God is asking and let your faith build from that position. Can you see this? You bring your 2%. Scott brings his half percent. Chris brings his quarter percent. Veronica brings her three percent. Whatever it is. By the end of the, the, the end of the journey, we all have enough faith to get the job done. And then our faith grows because we see the job being done. But we must all look through the the rubble and realize that this is just one big family who are all the same. Yes? None of us have got that 50, 60, 70% faith. Because if he did, you know I know that? Because I'd see the exploits. But this is an exploit waiting to happen. 
The people who trust their God will do amazing things. So, can we trust God? Can we trust God for our families? Right. Let God speak and let him add. What you don't have, he has to add. But you have to work with what he's adding. And when you work with what he's adding, multiplication kicks in. Amen? So let's stand before the wall. I'm talking to a church full of Peters who all at some point have broken faith, who at some point all feel they've compromised. But nevertheless, the King of Kings, the God Almighty, stood before his people, his church as the great shepherd, and he's saying, Dream Center, do you love me? And he's waiting for his people to respond and say, Father, reinstate us. Forgive my faith. Look past my dysfunction. And God says, stop, stop right there. I already have looked past. I'm asking you to look past. The issue is not God looking past. The issue is you looking past. Looking what you don't have. God knows what you don't have and he's still calling you. You look at what you don't have as an excuse and a reason for not doing what he asked you to do. So from this moment, Lord, I come. Here I am, wholly available. Just as I am. You called me with nothing. I'm still, I've got some things now, Lord, but I'm coming with what I have. Lord, add unto me that which I need for my salvation. Add unto me. Add unto me. Come on, make that as a prayer. Lord, grant unto me that which I lack. Help me to come to this wall. Help me to link hands. Help me to put hands together. Oh, Rasababarianda. Come on, church. This is really important that we do this right at this, this bit. Because from this moment on, we're going to build. Forgive me for my unbelief. Forgive me for my compromise. Forgive me for my uncertainty. Forgive me when the sandballots have whispered in my ear. When the friends have come and told me it's ten times worse than I imagined. Forgive me, oh God. Forgive me, oh God, for my uncertainty. Lord, I love you. Reinstate me today. Lord, I want to be part of this assignment. I want to be part of this work. With the strength of the Almighty, Lord, Consider me as part of the work. Because when you do that, he who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. God uses the work because it's the work in you that needs to be completed. God combines the two together. The work on the ground and the work inside the man is the same work. It's part of the calling. Now, if you have a wife or a husband or a family member here, please just go and stand with them. Those who don't have a family member, go and stand with those who don't have a family member because you are another family. Come on, quickly. If we can just move around at this point, it would help me. Your family members, brothers, sisters, husbands, wives, anyone with the same family, great. If they're not here, just go and get with other people in the church because that's a family also. <laughs> Only of a different name, that's all. So often, the wife has faith, but the husband has reason. Women are quicker than men. 
Men have reasons, opinions, beliefs. Women have faith. Most, this is generally speaking, that's not saying every man in here doesn't have faith. But we've got to make a, 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 an agreement with each other as a family is you will not lower the standards God has set for you. We together will serve the will of God. We will serve what we know. What we don't know, God, will has, to, God has to reveal. But what we will serve with what we know. Taking this word today, we will stand at the wall and we will start the process. And believing that God will add to us what we don't have. Irrespective of the size of the rubble, we are looking at the days of beginnings. We will take one brick at a time. We'll take one word at a time. We will hold on to that word. We'll believe in that word. We will not let self-opinion, doubt, frustration, anxiety be a watchword over our family. But from this day on, we will, take, we will commit unto God what God has committed unto us. Come on, make that vow to each other. As the potentials, just make that commitment. I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to hold you at the side of me. I cannot build this wall on my own. I cannot fight for the family on my own. I need you. I need you to help me fight. Strengthen me at the wall. We're exposed together. That's good. God will be our covering. God will be our covering. God will be our equipper. God will be our equipper. Oh, that's it. Go on. Just talk to the Lord. Just talk to the Lord. Oh, Ramasababa Barianda. Shidere Mama Marianda Rababa Karianda. Shola Baba Karianda Rama Sarianda Rabba Karianda. Rossi Baba Karianda Rama Shidiando Robo Korianda. Shoto Romonianda. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Take the families, oh God. Be a witness today, oh God, of what is taking place. Strengthen the house, oh God. Move upon us, O oh God, with your hand. Breathe on the families here today, O oh God. Let there be strength in the house. Let there be peace in the house. Let there be wisdom in the house. Let there be righteousness in the house. Right now, over every family, over every family, right now I declare it over every family in Jesus' name. Over every family. Almighty God. Mighty God. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus is building. We're the laborers. We're the laborers. Jesus can't build his church if there's no laborers. That's why he says, pray for the laborers. Right now I'm looking at a whole church of laborers. Everyone is a laborer. Everyone should have a sword, a spear, a shield, a trowel. Every one of us must have something in our hands. So, Father, from this day on, we look unto you. Supply what lacks, O oh God. Strengthen what is weak. Supply what is lacking. Strengthen what is weak. Uphold what needs to be upheld. Upheld. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said. Come on, let's give them a standing ovation.
Amen. I really felt that needed to be said. That was in my heart this week to say it, and uh, it's good. I'm glad it's been said. Please, please, don't just let it go. You've now been commissioned. You've now been reinstated. So please don't go back to life as normal. Remember what we said this morning? Back is not an option.